Hello. I'm Bogey. I'm Brian. I'm Q. And we're Meaningful. An agency that helps brands find a meaningful place in the world. Today, we're talking with Dan Fong, Executive Director of Digital Product and Technology at USA Cycling. Let's do this. There he is. Dan. How are you? We're doing great, man. We're just living life. <laughs> so good to see you. It's so good to see you, sir. How was Colorado? It was fantastic. Yeah. I fell in love. I fell in love with a state that I haven't really seen that much of, other than like quick trips for snowboarding. Yeah. Uh, it was so nice. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Um, you had some pretty decent I, weather while you were out here. I know. We got some snow. I was just telling Brian and Bogey, like, uh, the kids were loving it. You know, they don't get to see snow very often. So we had to buy mittens so they could play. Um, <laughs> thank you again, man. I was going to make a quick introduction. Obviously, you've met Bry. Yep. We've been following you around. We, you and I have been working together. Um, and then Bogey is our secret weapon. We are, we're, we've created this thing I told you about, Meaningful. Yeah. Uh, Bogey's in New York. Brian's okay. in Portland. I'm in Encinitas. And you're in Denver. <laughs> and, we're, and we're having a conversation. I remember one time we were working and you were saying that an agency was coming to you to, to do some research, which you didn't think, you did not, um, you, you didn't think that was a bad idea, but in, in, in your view, you were like, man, I've been doing this for 20 some years. I know I am the research. You know, I know the market. <laughs> you gotta love when agency when an agency invoices you for their education. That's that's always fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do get the sport in, in this space, the endurance sports space, the action sports space pretty well. And it's really all I've worked in the past fifteen years. Let's jump in. I'm I'm curious to hear about your vision. Where do you wanna go? I mean, obviously we're in a new world. Uh We've 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 all taken a look at the sign. We've kind of dived in and, and got a, a sense of how how big the category is, you know. Sure. Uh, but we'd love to we'd love to hear your vision. Yeah, it's um you know it's a shared vision, of course. Our, our CEO is a gentleman by the name of Rob DiMartini. And, and to give you the vision, you kind of have to back up a little bit to, to see a little bit about where USA Cycling was and is. So it, it's you know people who race bikes in the United States and on a competitive level. It's a very small audience. It's small. Um, you know, the numbers have varied over the, the life course of, of USA Cycling, anywhere between, you know, 50,000 members and 80,000 members. And to race a bike in the United States, you have to have a USA Cycling license. So, you know, these are people that you were, people you'll see on the streets, people you see go up and down the 101, the Swami's ride in the morning, you know, leaving Adam Encinitas, the Michael Marks leads down there. Um, you know that's the tip of the spear you know and it is a small audience um and and it traditionally has been and usa cycling has been seen by the industry and probably by its members um as a sort of a regulatory committee or a regulatory organization is probably a better uh, way to phrase it arriving at the vision long way of getting about arriving at the vision is our goal is to broaden that audience more than tenfold the halo content are the you know it's the in the halo enterprises putting people in the Olympics and winning gold medals. That's what USA Cycling has traditionally done. That's what all of the NGBs do. Um, but we're looking at ways from a vision standpoint and, and to sum it all up in a single sentence is like USA Cycling, when you buy a membership, it's more than just a license. You're supporting the growth of the sport. 
and the growth of the activity in the United States. And that's really what we're trying to do. And so, so, you're really, so you're really talking about moving from uh, certification, which has kind of been your, your history, history to, yeah, we're to culture. To yeah, no, that's a very good point, right? And we're gonna continue to certify and have to, because if, again, yeah. if you wanna, but we already have that audience. Like if you wanna race right. a bike and you're into right. bike racing, you yeah. gotta buy a license from us anyway. Right. Like it's yeah. just it's the way it works. And it's the same. But if that's but if that's all you are, then you're kind of like a necessary nuisance, you know. And so you don't want to be that you want to be the culture. You want to be the advocate, the culture. And, and that's what I'm hearing. And that, that, that's exciting. I love that third that third uh, tactic that you mentioned, the the bike paths, mm-hmm. you know, the, because you've got all over the country, you've got uh, greenways where people are trying to connect greenways. And, and I know in New York State, where I lived for 20 years, the, the number one goal of New York State greenways was to connect existing greenways. And the second goal was to create new greenways. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of working in, I mean, a, a, a large entity like USA Cycling uh, becoming a strategic uh, uh, partner and that would be really cool. Um, we have a woman named Chloe uh, who, who was winning the world's time trial, uh, road time trial. It was about a month ago, a little bit less, maybe three weeks ago. And she was the last off. She was defending world champion. She's only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was at the halfway point. She was already up by 30 seconds on the second place and getting faster. Over ironically enough, a woman from the Netherlands. And she uh, she was only getting fast. She was gonna win by over a minute, which is unheard of in a time trial. And she hit a corner sideways, lost control, hit a guardrail and split her leg wide open. And all of a sudden, you know, visions of Taylor Finney, whose basically career was shattered by almost a very similar incident in the same discipline. Um, it was a scary moment. She went literally like it was on TV. You had to have the Olympic channel to watch it, but it was on TV. She really went right over the guardrail and down the hill. And our car stopped and really got it. All of this to say that um, we have some of the talent and we're developing some of the talent. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're snake bit as well <laughs> in a lot of different areas. And that was one of them. Now her, our whole goal is to get her back to the Olympics at you know close to 100%. Unfortunately, that timeline's shorter now. Um, but uh, to get her back, she's so talented uh, that we feel we can get her back to that level. And you know, coaching isn't obviously my area of the business, but uh, it'll it'll um, it'll be a hard road back. But she's like super motivated. So I think our shining spot at the Olympics is going to be Chloe in the women's road time trial. And she, if she's healthy, she'll win gold by a lot. Wow, but that's that's our that's our Halo brand, though, right? That's yeah. But that's that's it's so important, uh, especially for young kids to have that model, you know, and that heroic archetype. It's also interesting when 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 talking about kids nowadays, right? If you're talking about the youth, especially you know the the 13, 14 demographic. My I have a younger brother; he's 13, and so that world perspective is very different. He's a he's a soccer player, football player. And so he's into that. And of course there's, you know, some guidance, but he, you know, he looks up to like people like, you know, Messi and, you know, and these, you know, big names, mm-hmm. but it's interesting as far as uh, the technology component of it all, because, you know, they're on their phones 24 seven. Correct. And, and, and talk about a channel 
to be able to engage and inspire. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys are looking at that too. Uh, I did come across and I saw you guys had an app. Uh, what's, yeah. what's kind of the vision behind that? It's a race day app. It's for uh-huh. the rider who rolls up to the race. Hey, let us see your license. And I'll let, it's, it's almost like an airline app. What's the first thing you do when you go to the airport, right? Where's my boarding pass? Right. Um, right. And make sure I get it out and have my ID. It's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. The app has. It's, it's got an event search in there so I can search an event that's near me. Um, we're actually just pushed out a new build of it on uh, staging uh, that will go to production probably on, by the end of the week. That is going to have, um, it's going to have an enhanced event search. Uh, as well as that that ID recognition. Mm-hmm. I'm also pushing, um, uh, not this week, but in probably in the, within the month, a QR code recognition as well. So you can mm-hmm. actually buy a one-day, we sell one-day license as well, similar to like triathlon, USA triathlon. A lot of these triathletes buy a one-day license. Mm-hmm. They just want to run, do their one triathlon for the year. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, I thought it was interesting how Strava, you can have a profile and then you have like a little trophy case and I, I know some people that, that mm-hmm. part of what he does, wherever he goes, I mean, this guy has been all over the world on vacation. And wherever he goes, he gets into a bike race. Sometimes that's the reason he goes. Cool. And he has elevation trophies and time cool. trophies. And, and uh, you know, it just, I think Strava has done such a great job of making, you know, first of all, they have, their, their app is just fantastic. And there's a community that's built around the app that yep. would just be people you'd bump into on the street otherwise, but you can actually find people and you can schedule and you can meet up. And I, something like that is, uh, I think looking at what they've done, that that's, that's great. And so you wonder about strategic alliances with somebody that really already has a good foundation. Yeah. You know? We've, uh, we're pretty good friends with those guys. Let's say we're pretty good friends. We talked to them about, you know, possible integrations and yeah. development. I mean, they have a 70 million user base install, right? It's a, it's, it's a sizable community to say the least. And, and now that they're the big boys on the street, I mean, I, we were talking to that group that founded that company when I was mm-hmm. a competitor group back in San Diego, you know, we were talking right. about 2008, 2009 about a partnership. And we we're like, who's the Strava guys? You know, it was, it was really back then. It was more about <laughs> Matt, my run, Matt, my ride, uh, Matt, my hike. Bigger base, much bigger base, and Strava came along and just kept getting better and better and better. To your point, Brian, they uh, they've really built a community. There's all sorts of Strava groups in there um, that you can actually uh, you know join. USA Cycling has a Strava group, you know, so you can the, the social the social aspect of it. they combine social with competition, gamified at, you know activity tracking, and it's a it's a fantastic application. But yeah, we're we're looking at integrations with them as well. And, what a future app would be for USA Cycling, a way to get your USA Cycling badge because everybody's got, you know, if you race, you have a comp ID and you have a badge, you can put that on your profile. Small little things like that, but we're looking at larger integrations too. With the the young demographic, um, somehow creating this this uh, idea that um, by being involved and, and the miles, the miles that you ride on the bike or the number of events or that type of thing, you get points, and that that is uh, part of your merchandise, which is exclusive USA Cycling, the pro team. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can get, that you incent people to to you know kind of stratify their involvement, and and uh, it, there's a lot of interesting ways I think to make it um, a little rock and roll, a little kind of kind of fun.
BMX comes under our purview uh, for most right. teams. And, you know, it's, you know, we popped up a, the other day, we were on our leadership team call and, you know, they popped up a, a photo of our BMX team. It looked like a bunch of skateboarders. Yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. Well, that's another, that, but that's yeah. another model. That's another model. Yeah. Skateboarders, look at how they do that, right? Yeah. And yeah. The, the way that whole sport is constructed and how it trickles down mm-hmm. and it's, it's cool all the way down to the street, right? Yeah. Right from the pro contracts. Very, it's very interesting. So I'm glad you brought up BMX because when we were looking at the site, we were surprised how, how many, uh, like silos within cycling there are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's daunting. It's on an almost overcomplicated sport. There yeah. Are so many disciplines and so many levels uh, and so many silos and the personalities within those. And some, yeah, it doesn't yeah, overlap. Yeah. 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 Like you try to be, every, you, know, you know, it's the old saying, you know, try and be everything to everybody. You end up being nothing to nobody. Exactly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of, I wouldn't say we're there, but uh, we certainly, um, dance with that devil unfortunately because you know you go to our website and so oh, it's bike racing oh it's mountain bike oh it's bmx oh it's cyclocross oh it's gravel you know it's like what are we well we're all those things because we govern all those disciplines um and it's the one thing that you know it's interesting you guys spent some time on the site you know part of our vision is so you go to that website and, and we haven't approached it yet but i have the full you know scope of work and we actually did one phase of it it was, it was basically re- reimagined re-engineered that website completely because you know, when you go to that site now, the first thing that pops out to you, and part of it's the content, part of it's the structure and the silos and navigation is like, it's bike racing. It's guys and gals and like, that's what you see when you go to that website. And our CEO is like, I don't want that. So I want you know, I want it to be everybody, you know? And uh, we've looked at some interesting examples out there of, of clubs um, and organizations that do that pretty well uh, in terms of, you know, broaden their base. Uh, the Harley Davidson, uh, I think it's called the Hog Group or something like that. They have a really cool user group, um, and their website is much more user friendly than you think than you think it'd be from a Harley Davidson website. Mm-hmm. At least this club, this club website is, yeah. and um, it's like Harley Davidson Hog Owners Club or something like that. I forget the name of it, but um, <laughs> it's it's one of the things. It's definitely on our roadmap for 2021 is to re-engineer, reimagine, redesign that website. A lot of it starts with the content, frankly, that you see on that website. Yeah, it, you know, we talked we talked about that. I mean, that's a, that's what that's a, that's probably a difficult thing to to sift through. I think Dan likes because BMX, mountain biking, road biking, um, different disciplines, different attitudes, different types. Gravel, of, gravel Yeah, gravel's the fastest growing discipline in that sport. Right, like Lance Armstrong versus like Sean White, completely different human yeah. being. Yeah, yeah. And, so you, and you're this organization that have to represent all of them, right. and probably manage personalities and you know, like sort of like. Egos like oh, in every sport are out there, right? Like, but like, yeah. And then, like you said, how do you how do you position cycling as this one, as a simple? Like, if you were to like use a simple message. What would what would you say about U.S. cycling? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see like what the Dutch are saying. I mean, do they even have to explain it because it's such a <laughs> it's so it was well, a big part of their lives, right? Copenhagen is uh, Copenhagen's in Netherlands, right? Am I wrong? Uh, Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. Okay, um, same thing. Same. It's up there. It's those people. <laughs> both, both of those countries. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly a part of their culture. It's how they do everything, right? 
it's how they go to work it's how they meet out yeah yeah the geography has probably played a big role in bikes being uh part of their culture you know just yeah yeah how you get around and so you probably it's unfair to compare and go why aren't we like them well well it's it's in their not in their genetics but it's in their geography you know yeah At one point, I noticed a, a pretty robust uh, local bike clubs through the website. You could you could dial in, and I remember looking at Portland. There were about five bike clubs, and each bike club had their own website. and And one of them, uh, if I were if I were so inclined, I would have reached out to them because I just I liked the brand, I liked the culture about sure. you know no assholes. Now it was. So, you know, in so many words, but yeah. that was, that was the tone and timber of it. And, and I thought that was interesting because some are intense, some are more social. Um, you can kind of find one that fits you. And, and mm-hmm. it was really cool that you could, that there was this network of very local uh, communities. Sure. Which, which I thought was a big part of our sport. And, and, and certainly we're as part of this, you know, reimagining what USA Cycling represents it's it is supporting more of those clubs we kind of we're a necessary evil for them you know if they want to go on a club ride and they want a little bit of insurance in case somebody gets hit by a car and they don't sue the club you know the club themselves um you know they have to sanction that little club ride or that little club race with us because we provide the insurance and, and the permit actually um but yeah your point you know there's a club for everybody out there you know from the swami's ride which is the swami's club which is pretty gnarly down there in Encinitas, california all the way to the No Assholes Club, right? Which <laughs> sounds like something I want to be a part of. And um, <laughs> they, uh, they do it, uh, but we're working on products, actually. You know, so I run a digital product for, for USA Cycling. We're working on products, actually, that we're going to support the clubs in a much more robust way and give them a lot more tools to manage their club. Because usually it's volunteers. Like, yeah, I'll be the treasurer. And the treasurer also runs the website and also organizes this and blah, blah, blah. And nobody really wants to do it. And it's all right. hard. And hey, can you update the website and send out the email? Well, we're going to give them some digital tools to help them do that. It's just another one of those outreaches that we're trying to flip the script on. You know, we, again, we were a necessary evil. Now we want to we want to support you, and give you some right. tools, actually make your job a little bit easier. Now, there's a value exchange there for us because about half club members in the United States are not members of USA Cycling. Oh. Value exchanges. We're going to give oh. you all the tools, and we like to have a little bit of that data <laughs> so we can at least reach out to those members of your club who are not a part of USA Cycling. And, you know, and we'll do sponsored things for them too. Like we'll do, you know, club sweepstakes and, you know, competitions. One member of your club can fly to USA, you know, national championships in Raleigh, North Carolina this year. There's things like yeah. that um, sure. to, to complete that value exchange. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. The, the club aspect's a huge part of the sport. Um, and certainly at a, at a more grassroots level and, and it's actually very critical for us to growing growing our base are they i mean clubs i would imagine they would want to be part of u.s cycling isn't that kind of like a badge of honor in some ways yeah well a sanctioned club yeah we're sanctioned by usa cycling there's certainly a, a badge of honor to it the other side is like yeah we're just mountain bike club and we don't really want anything to do with usa cycling uh you know there, mm. plus we have to sanction our downhill mountain bike race that we're gonna put on up in the foothills here in colorado and even though it's kind of just our club and another club, like they're going to want us to sanction it and they're going to sell us something. So there's both sides of that. Right. No, well, I what I see, 
what I see here is an opportunity because you guys are positioned right in the middle of all of this that's happening. Not only from a content perspective, you, I mean, you have the opportunity to be able to create this movement. And I think that's really what it comes down to when it comes to, you know, have a meaningful, a meaningful position. Yeah, it's you're you're hundred percent right, and you know we have this inside joke. Yeah, USA Cycling, you know the country's largest bicycle club, which is really kind of are because we have fifty thousand members. Right? Uh-huh. But you know we don't, we don't act or walk and talk like a bicycle club, and and so there there is opportunity there for sure. Um, you know, and again, it's 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 more about having a more of an open relationship with those guys. Uh, uh-huh. in these clubs and, and giving them real value as opposed to like, yeah, here's your $200. Thanks. Um, yeah. We don't really need it, but you know, we have a little bit of value and we get water bottles and then move on. Um, just pretty, just enhancing that value proposition a little bit more, I think. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely opportunity for us in terms of, of growing the club base really mm-hmm. and, and enhancing that relationship, making it a, like a thicker relationship, really, you know, and, and if we can give them more value from, for their dollar than what they're getting today. There's something like so cool that you don't realize unless you're in the sport. And I think when you talk about getting it um, down into into the, the youth at a, at a societal level, that's that's really what you're trying to figure out is how mm-hmm. to make this thing cool the way soccer was made cool, um, you know the way uh, skateboarding was made cool. There's something about it. There's a guy in Portland here that owns a very high-end bike shop, West End Bikes, and I met him through a friend. Uh, and he, I mean, he has like a, a twenty thousand dollar bike. So. Yeah. You know, he, he's got a bike that you want to be on, but he, he, um, that's his preferred mode of travel. Like, and he just loves traveling by bike and he'd, he would travel by bike, rain or shine, no matter. He has a, he has something like a Jeep or a Range Rover and stuff. And he'll, he'll drive around in that, but he would love first and foremost. And he loves uh, the things he sees, the way he feels, the, the connection he has as he, the sense of transition from one area to another, you know, where, whereas there, yeah. No better way to see a city. Like if you go to a yeah. or even just another city in this country, no way better, better way to see a city than a bike. But it's that, it's that enthusiasm that is contagious um, when, when it can be shared. And so it's really, really finding like those, those advocates, the, uh, um, I'm sure you're looking at a influence, influencer marketing. Um, we are getting that. So, so, so people, people get a taste for the culture of, mm-hmm. of, of cycling, um, and that draws them in. I mean, I, really, to me, I'm, I'm very fascinated by the idea of how kids at a at a level um, and an age like ASO how they can get involved in. And biking and bike clubs and bike events and racing and competitive racing and um, that's one area that a parent can't get in get up in their space and leave them alone I, mean, I know with coaching soccer I would have to ask some dads to leave because right. they were all <laughs> over their kid while they're playing what questions keep you up at night the biggest thing that keeps us up at night frankly is COVID uh, you know, it, it literally, when it hit and races went down and people stopped buying licenses, you know, it turned off our revenue streams, mm-hmm. turned them off. Mm-hmm. 
and and we've been fighting back. Virtual has, has put a little bit on it uh, in terms of revenue. Has put a little bit big in our bank account, I should say. And we quickly, you know, started looking into alternative revenue streams, including you know virtual. Uh, looking at subscription-based model and trying to develop that out and model what that would look like, um, as, as well as um, alternative revenue streams that don't have a whole lot to do with bike racing. Um, so, if we've uh, as we're going into our 2021 budget year, um, you know we're modeling three different budgets based on the level of return to cycling, whether it's you know this percentage, this percentage, or this percentage. Uh, it's really going to dictate our year, but that's I'm telling you, that's what keeps our CEO up at night. I'm sure of that. When, when you talk about virtual, you're talking about um, each person can race for time and then yeah. that, gets, that gets put into a, a, a competitive yeah, uh, it, database. Yeah. yeah, I can give you a quick snapshot of what that universe looks like. So what a lot of entities did, like the Rock and Roll Marathon Series is a great example. They went like Rock and Roll VR Raleigh, North Carolina. So they have a race in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, it's going to be a virtual race. And quickly spun up a platform to whereas device agnostic, platform agnostic, so whether you're on MapMy, Strava, uh, RunKeeper, any of those, uh, Apple, you could run your half marathon and you had a week to do it, run your half marathon, you know, at one given time, upload your result, and there it is, and here's your medal, and here's your t-shirt. Well, well, lo and behold, that was a very successful formula. Uh, certainly in running, and it's actually quite profitable because you don't have to close roads, you don't need code, you need EMS, you don't need police, all that, right? Um, so I know a few people in that business who are uh, in a few companies in that space that are absolutely killing it in, in virtual racing, um, and, and they made the pivot quickly, and it was smart of them to do that. We weren't so quick. At the same time, bike racing isn't so much of a virtual sport, but there's some big players out in the sport, Zwift. I'm not sure if you've heard of Zwift. They just secured funding for about $450 million because their audience went boom uh, as soon as COVID hit. Um, and so we've partnered with Zwift, a company called RGT, which is Road Grand Tours, Vid Fitness, uh, and another platform called Fit Rankings, which is more general-based. And um, we just launched a what we call a challenge um, uh, on Fit Rankings, where it's, it's the climbing, it's the USA Cycling Climbing Challenge. And the USA cycling, how many how many feet can you climb over the course of a week, essentially? Right. And you can do it on Strava, and you record it on your Garmin, you record it on anything. It's platform device agnostic. Then you upload it, and you see where you land. And, um, and you either make a donation to our foundation, uh, which is what our first hill climb challenge was, and eventually we're going to charge people to be in it. And we definitely see a, a future in that business. USA Cycling should have had a virtual race platform, their own proprietary, probably two years ago at least. Uh, but you know, COVID accelerated a lot of these transformations and uh, yeah. accelerated quickly. And we're putting together an overall like uh, virtual strategy and a an integrated platform. We want to be platform agnostic, device agnostic. Doesn't matter, and, and, and give people choices. So Zwift's kind of like that's what the guys from the Swami's Club ride, and they're gonna race against each other and they're gonna try and beat each other's brains in every week. Um, and then there's fit rankings, which is like, Hey, California, take on the state of Colorado and see if you can climb the most miles in a week and, you know, have a state challenge, have a charity challenge, things like that. So much more broad back to our strategic right. pivot broad in the base. We want to have an option for everybody and, you know, yeah. made a virtual race platform portal, basically. Hey, what do you want to do? Right in front of the pack. Uh, do I want to, you know, ride the, you know, the most gorgeous, you know, roads in Tuscany or in France, or do I want to race my neighbor, you know, one neighborhood over? So we're going to give people options to do all that. 
But it's interesting yeah. how in this pandemic I've seen in people I know unrelated to anything uh, sports related, um, some guys I know in a group, they they will challenge each other. They go, so you're gonna you're gonna exercise on your stationary bike as many miles or I'll you're gonna I'll I'll do four miles for every mile you do stationary. Oh, wow. And then and then he does the map. He says, "Look at I did I did uh, 20 miles. So now you got so now you got to do like five miles, you know, and you're stationary or something." And so the people are creating, they're gamifying it. I think just mm -hmm. out of a need to have excitement, you yeah. know. It's yeah. Even and, social right? And, and cycling yeah. can be a very social sport. Um, yeah. People don't like yeah. riding themselves. They rather ride in a group. Well, hopefully, hopefully the silver lining of the pandemic is that it, it's it's allowed you to focus on some things um, because you, you couldn't you couldn't have events the way you typically conventionally could have them. So your energy can now be be uh, be, be pointed toward certain things that you want to do in terms of technology and the brand and uh, the website and stuff like that. So definitely. And, and it, it, yeah. And it seems it seems like uh companies that um really take um disruption to really advance what they're doing like right now um i'm seeing across the board if you look at like mckinsey's and the economist and, and things like that um corporations are are surprised how quickly they're able to do things under under this virtual work model they're doing things in like a third of the time uh just just making the moves and doing it and i think i think it's taken some it's taken some of the uh fear out of like well i don't know should we do it or not it's like yeah. why not right right i mean it's 52 pickup let's just go for it let's run for the fence you know and uh and so hopefully with that attitude you feel um emboldened it's a great vision, you know? And so you start to feel yeah. like, how do we do it? Let's do it. Let's roll up our sleeves. So yeah, that, that's, that's great. That's exciting. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation and enjoyed the forum and, and Q, thanks for bringing this to me. Of course. Um, yeah. I know you guys got a pretty solid group. It looks like, and, and from this discussion that just reinforces that thought. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to talk, email us podcast at bemeaningful.co.